This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And this morning's sermon is entitled The Rapture. Turn with me, please, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Now, I will tell you while you're turning to our main text today, and I, I don't know if it's considered to be our main text because there's so many to review. But some of the most popular questions about end-time prophecy is this, and I get asked this question all of the time, Pastor, who is the Antichrist? Pastor, what does the number 666 mean? Or Pastor, when do you feel will be the end of the age, the end of the world. And I will tell you that these are most uh, curious and interesting questions. But I can assure you that when we study and talk about Bible prophecy, those questions are not the most important questions. The most important questions that could be asked about Bible prophecy is this, and you need to ask yourself this question personally. Am I a Christian? Am I ready? Am I ready for the Lord to come? How close is His coming? And am I ready for His coming? That, my friend, is the most important question you could ask yourself today about the second coming of Christ in Bible prophecy. Now, I want you to notice with me in John chapter 14, I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11. While you're turning, let's say this about the scriptures we just read in John chapter 14. When Jesus Christ himself said, if I go, I will come again. I want you to understand something, that God stamped His integrity on those four words. You see, there's a passage of Scripture in the Word of God, Titus chapter 1, verse number 2, that says, it is impossible for God to lie. And so everything that Jesus Christ has ever spoken is true. He is truth. And so here's what we need to remember, that when Jesus himself said, if I go, I will come again, the integrity of God is stamped on those four words. So I can assure you, friend, that these words are true and they are faithful. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 11, we find another similar account. The Bible says, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? 
You see, prior to that, the Bible says, ye shall receive power. I think it's in verse number eight. Ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Bible says after Jesus spoke those words, 40 days after his resurrection, he had assembled all of his disciples to the place called the Mount of Olives. And there his disciples were sitting or standing and they were listening to Jesus speak. Jesus not only said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, but later he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He said, and whatsoever things I have commanded you, he said, and lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the world. Amen. When he spoke those words, the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus, which is taken from you up into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now here in the text, Jesus had just told his disciples, listen carefully. He had just told his disciples, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. He said, there you will find an upper room. He said, I want you to go and wait. He said, I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. As you remember, just before the Lord was crucified, Jesus said, I've got to go, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I am going to send you a comforter. He would guide you in all things. He would be the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, now I'm getting ready to go back to the Father, but I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the one that I have said would come, the Holy Spirit. And so those disciples went to Jerusalem, and there the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Olives told them that when the Holy Ghost came, He would equip them with the power to become witnesses unto the ends of the earth. And after he spoke those words, when he had finished, you just read it in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, the disciples watched as he began to ascend back to heaven. And the angel said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go. Now, I want you to know something. In John chapter 14, Jesus said himself, if I go, I will come again. And then that statement was backed up by the angels of God themselves. The angels also gave the glorious promise that this same Jesus was going to return. Now I want you to think about that. You see, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, his earthly ministry was complete. Now the work of the Holy Ghost was going to take over. So if Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection, 40 days after his resurrection, if Jesus ascended back to heaven, then what is he doing now? Right now, this very moment, our Lord Jesus Christ is busy, seated at the right hand of the Father, 
He is there as our mediator. He is there as our advocate. And he is overseeing the preparation of heaven. You see, Jesus said that heaven is a prepared place. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, listen, Jesus ascended back to the Father. He said, I go to prepare you a place. So right now, at this very moment, Jesus is our mediator. Between God and us, it is Jesus and Him only. He is our mediator. He is our advocate. And right now, doing those things, seated at the right hand of the Father, the Lord Jesus is preparing heaven for you and I. But very soon, according to the word of God, He's going to step out on the portals of glory. And the Lord Jesus will descend back into the air. According to the scripture, the angel will sound the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now I want you to see something here in Matthew chapter 24. Take your Bibles and turn to that text with me. Matthew chapter 24. And here's what I want you to understand about the rapture. The catching away, I'm going to be talking about that in length this morning. Every one of you who are born again believers at some point in God's prophetic timetable will instantly disappear from the face of this earth. It's called the rapture. I want you to know that there will be absolutely no pre-warning to it. No pre-warning to the rapture. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, the Bible says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that, that, that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Let me stop and say this, that throughout the ages, people have written books trying to predict the exact moment and day and time that Jesus Christ is going to come. Back in 1988, somebody wrote a, a book, 88 Reasons Why He's Going to Return in 1988. And I can tell you on and on and on, people have, have sought out to profit themselves with the predictions of the exact day, the hour, the time that Christ was going to return. But I want you to know that the scripture that you're reading this morning clearly teaches us that of that day and of that hour, no one knows. Read it yourself. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven. But my father only, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. 
Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Now listen carefully. There is absolutely no pre-warning to the rapture. It is not going to be announced in the morning newspaper. It is not going to be on the radio. It is not going to be mentioned on the television. I want you to know that the Bible says that Christ will come, the rapture will take place, and it goes into a descriptive term entitled, In the Twinkling of an Eye. Now blink your eye and try to compute what that time frame is. General Electric a few years ago tried to compute a twinkling of an eye and calculated it the best way they could to be one twentieth of a second. And the Bible says that that is the time frame. I'm telling you there is absolutely no warning whatsoever before the rapture. Many preachers avoid prophetic sermons and teachings on these various topics that I've been speaking on for various reasons. Some preachers don't believe it. Some are feeling that it's too complicated. Some don't understand it. Some ministers are scared of it. Some don't know how to interpret it. It's not politically correct and it requires so much study. But listen, one of the most important things in our Christian faith is to be aware of the fact that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. That means that His coming is imminent. And we'll discuss that in just a moment. When the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture, without any warning to this world, when that happens, millions of people from around the world will be evacuated from the earth. That, my friend, is going to be the real invasion of the body snatcher. Now listen, jumbo jets will plunge from the sky because of the absence of the pilot. Driverless buses and trains and subway cars will create unimaginable disaster. Head-on collisions will savagely mangle the freeway. Doctors will vanish in the middle of open heart surgery and children will disappear from their beds. The Bible said two will be in the field, one will be left and the other will be taken. As a result of this, people will run through the streets looking for missing family members and it will appear to the world that as though an atomic bomb has hit this planet, it will be a million times worse than 9-11. Panic will grip every household, every place of business, every means of transportation, every political authority will collapse and all normalcy to life will cease. And when this happens, it will seem as though the planet has stopped revolving. All of this will be the horrific result of what the world will have to reminisce about the rapture of the church. But I tell you this this morning, that all the events leading up to this has already taken place. There is not one other Bible prophecy that needs to be filled before the Lord Jesus returns. The motion 
the fast train, so to speak, without brakes, began when the prophet spoke the words, he would be born from a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea. He would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. But then when the birth of Christ took place, and then when his crucifixion took place, and then his resurrection took place, and then his ascension to heaven took place, and then the birth of the church at Pentecost took place, I will tell you, friend, that all, each of those events preceded the rapture. And so there are no other events left to be fulfilled prior to the return of Christ. Everything that had to be fulfilled has already taken place. And right now we're living in the church age. The grace of God on the cross, the birth of the church, perpetuate believers and Christians and disciples into what is called the church age. And that's where we have been for the last 2,000 years. But the church age will end with the rapture. Now I want you to see another passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Take your Bibles and turn there with me, if you will, please. And notice verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Beginning in that passage, the Bible says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, and do you believe that, friend? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on an old ragged cross? If we believe that Jesus died, and do you believe that He rose again? I tell you, friend, if all we had was a crucifixion, every single one of us would still be on our road to hell. We could not possibly have an ounce of a day, a split second in heaven, without the glorious bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus, will God bring with Him? That's very significant. We'll see it in a moment. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, this is the rapture. This is the catching away. And this glorious event is imminent. The word imminent means that it could happen any moment. There are no other events to take place before the rapture. It's a very sad thing, but there are many Christians who are completely ignorant of the prophetic portions of God's plan for the ages. And this is what the majority of professing Christians believe, that life, life's highway is just going to roll on forever. They take a little bit of this and a little bit of that out of the Bible and think it really doesn't matter in the end. It's all going to work out. 
But this is something I believe, friend, that we all need to know and know well, that this world is on a head-on collision course with a reckoning with God. Every day that goes by, there are things that are moving us a little bit closer to this glorious moment called the rapture. Turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to notice a short passage in verse number 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 1. The Bible says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. And that's exactly what's happening now. Friend, we are living in perilous times. None of us are surprised that this is, is I believe, indeed the most darkest and the most perilous day in human history. From every single aspect, it's a dark day. It's dark internationally. Listen carefully, all over the world, there is some kind of war going on right now. Whether you go to Iraq or Afghanistan, to the northern and southern borders of Israel, to India and Somalia, the conflicts that are brewing in Iran and North Korea. Listen, borders are bristling everywhere with gunfire. Diplomats and ambassadors are sitting at conference tables sucking on long cigarettes and sipping on expensive liquor, arguing over and over and over like inmates in a mental institution. Sounds like some Christians I know. It's not only dark internationally, but it's also dark economically. When you notice the housing market and the stock market and the rising cost of food, the layoffs, farmers losing their farms, foreclosures, businesses closing, the entire workforce is losing its pulse and heartbeat. But it's not only dark internationally and economically, it's also dark domestically. The divorce rate in this world is staggering. But what's even more staggering is that it's happening just as much among the Christian world as it is in the lost, God-forsaken world. Families are losing their morals. This is a dark world politically and domestically and internationally. Children are today are being raised without parents. This country is getting hooked on drugs and alcohol and pornography every time you turn around. Did you hear this? With all of the people now lining up at the front door of the federal government wanting a bailout, Larry Flint, who is in charge of hustler pornography, he has signed up. He's on the list for the federal government to bail him out because the pornography business has now taken a hit. It's going down. So listen, now we're going to find people in our legislator that's going to decide whether or not Larry Flint gets a bailout like GM and all of the other people. Listen, God help this country. Amen. It's dark domestically, politically, economically, but I can assure you, friend, that it's even as dark spiritually. 
Many preachers no longer willing to preach on the whole counsel of God. They're worried about offending people. They want everybody to be universally positive. Political correctness is overtaking the pulpit and Christians are losing their convictions. You can hardly tell the difference today between someone who has professed the saving grace of Christ and someone that's living in the degradation of this world. Church attendance is being neglected. Churches closing their doors on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. People getting away from their doctrine. People could care less about their time. By the way, this is Stewardship Month. And let me say this. For those of you that don't tithe, now all of y'all that do, and I've never met a Christian that tithe got upset about preaching on tithe. But you can take a rock and throw it in a pack of dogs and the one that gets hit is going to yell. <laughs> Listen to this. If I told you this morning that if you tithe, and say so you don't tithe now, but if I told you this morning that if you tithe for two weeks, And God meet your needs. Come to me. I'll take care of every one of you. Well, you know, I see a bunch of smiles out there. Everybody, you really mean that preacher? If, I, now I don't tithe, but if I start tithing and my needs are not met, you going to take care of the needs? Suppose I told you I would. Half of those that don't would say, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I'll do it. Well, here's the bottom line. I'm not going to tell you that I will. But it would be such a shame if you would put your trust in me to do it and not the God of heaven who said he'd do it. Amen. You willing to trust me? Why don't you trust him? He said it, glory to God. It's a dark day. It's a dark day. But listen to this. Notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Thank God we do have hope. It's going to get bad for the world, but it's getting better for the Christian because of the rapture. It's called the blessed hope. That's none other than Jesus Christ. I like the old song that said, oh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. Now let me share some things with you about the rapture real quick. The rapture contains prophetic promises. I want you to see this. Take your Bibles to Revelation. I want you to know that we have already seen Jesus saying, I'm coming again. The angel said he's coming again. Paul said he's coming again. Now look at this in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Actually, I want you to see chapter 4. And, and what I'm going to say covers chapter 1 through 4. In Revelation chapter 1 through 4, I want you to notice this. As we read these, these scriptures beginning in verse number 1 of chapter 4. And this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither. That's the rapture. This is John the Revelator talking about the rapture. Now here's what I want you to understand. 
from Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 4. Are you with me? Chapter 1 to chapter 4. All in between. The word church or churches from chapter 1 to chapter 4 is mentioned almost 20 times. Chapter 1 to chapter 4, you'll find the word church or churches. Now after chapter 4, you don't find the word church or churches mentioned the first time. And the reason is because in chapter 4 of Revelation, the rapture has taken place. That's the catching away. That's the being caught up. Now listen, the church, who is the church? You and I that are saved are the church. When the Lord returns, He's not coming back for buildings. He's not coming back for furnishings. He's coming back for those He died for, those who accepted Him as personal Lord and Savior. So I want you to know something. From Revelation chapter 1 through 4, the church is there. In chapter 4, there is a caught up, a catching away. Come up hither. That's the rapture. Now listen. The rapture takes place in Revelation chapter 4. And then from chapter 4 all the way through chapter 18, the word church or churches is not mentioned one time. And the reason for that is, is because the church is not there. Now it's very clearly seen in Revelation 1 through 4, but it's no longer mentioned from chapter 5 through chapter 19. But I want, or chapter 18, but I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19 just for a minute. And I want you to see this and time is quickly going. We've got so much to do in just a few minutes. But in Revelation chapter 19, I'm going to make my point with you here. And I saw heaven open. Verse 11, Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Notice this. And the armies, which are the believers in heaven today, which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So here's what I want you to know. That he cannot come back with his armies, with those in heaven, until he first comes back for them. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. This right here is not the rapture. That's the revelation. Now notice something with me. There's going to be a return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, quickly, the Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I want you to know something, that Jesus Christ is going to return the same way He left. And that's personally. The angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus, which is taken from you, is going to come back again in like manner as you've seen Him go. Here's something else about the rapture. Those of us who have loved ones that are in heaven today, and how do you know they're in heaven with Jesus? The Bible clearly says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number eight. So when we leave this world in Christ, our spirit immediately goes to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, our departed loved ones one day are going to be reunited with a new body. They're going to have a resurrection. Not only this, listen carefully. Some of us, I really believe that the rapture will take place in our lifetime. I'm not going to set a date, but I believe we're so close, friend. We are so close. I'm looking for the Lord to come any day. I want you to know that 
because of that, some of us may be alive when the rapture takes place. That means this, that some of us may not see a coffin. Our loved ones who have, who have died and gone on to be with the Lord, listen, their spirit and soul are going to come back to be reunited with a glorified body. But some of us may not see death. Notice that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Alive and remain. So some of us may not see death. The rapture, I'm telling you, is going to be quick. It is going to be brisk. And there is going to be a reunion. I want you to see the latter part of verse number 17. To be caught up with them in the clouds. Notice that. With them. Uh, we all have loved ones on the other side. And I like that word with them. And notice that word together. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Friend, there's going to be a reunion. Thank God Almighty. The ones we have had to leave this life and they're now with Jesus. They're coming back with Him. Glory to God. Now, very quickly, I want us to notice the plan of His coming. You see, there were basically three different aspects of His coming. The first of His coming was basically when He was born in Bethlehem of Judea. The next phase or advent of His coming is going to be the rapture. And then the third will be the revelation. But in the scope of His second coming, there are two main important events, the rapture and the revelation. The rapture, listen carefully, is not going to be visible to this world. The world will see the consequences of it, but they will not see Jesus step out on the portals of glory. They will not hear the trumpet sound. I want you to know they will see the aftermath of the rapture, but they will not see Jesus in the air. Now I want us to notice the purpose of His coming. And this, I believe, will bless you. Obviously, He is going to come to raise the dead in Christ. Secondly, He is going to come to receive His bride, the church. Number three, listen, I'm going to ask you to turn to some scriptures here. I want you to find two passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And then I want you to notice Philippians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Philippians chapter 3. Now here's the thing. He is going to come to raise the dead. He is coming to receive His bride. The purpose of the rapture. Now listen is to give every one of us, whether we were dead in Christ or alive at the time of His coming, His purpose for the rapture is to give you and me a glorified body. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. You see, we're not all going to die. There will be some living Christians on the earth when the rapture takes place. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. It is impossible for us to go to heaven with these bodies. These bodies cannot live forever. Most everyone in here has eyeglasses. Some has oxygen. Some is in a wheelchair. Some walk with canes. You had to have a pill to wake up. You got to have a pill to get through lunchtime. You got to have a pill to go to bed. You got doctor's appointments tomorrow. You're facing surgeries. These bodies cannot make it forever. God is going to give us a body that will last forever. That's part of the rapture. He's coming to raise the dead. He's coming to get His church. He's coming to give us a glorified body. Now notice this. In a moment, 
In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Glory to God. Now notice Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to see this in verse number 20. Philippians 3 verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now you might say, Pastor, listen, are you saying that, that when, when the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture that he's bringing our loved ones from heaven with him and their spirit is going to be reunited with their body, but it's not going to be their same body that they walked in this earth. It's going to be a new body. Absolutely. And then are you saying that if there are some of us left alive, that in that transaction that we're going to receive a glorified body too? Absolutely. Then you might say, well, what exactly is a glorified body? Well, there's a verse of scripture that I can give you in short. First John. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. Notice this, one of the last books of the Bible. 1st John chapter 3 and verse number 2. You see, the Bible says that we're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, a twentieth of a second. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And in that transaction, there is going to be the glorification of His saints. What is a glorified body? Well, friend, here's the answer. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Somebody say amen this morning. I'm telling you this, I can't say for sure what a glorified body is, but I can tell you this, that whatever Jesus is, glory to God, I'm going to be the same thing. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Now I want you to know this, not only is he coming to raise the dead and to receive his church and to give us a glorified body, turn your Bibles quickly to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, and I want you to notice that, that he's also going to come to give his reward. Every Christian is going to have some kind of reward. Some will suffer loss. Some will have several crowns. Maybe you'll have five. Maybe some will have two. Depending on the... Results of 1 Corinthians 3, but notice Revelation 22. He says, Behold, in verse 12, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Oh, friend, let me tell you something. The older I get, the more I look. The more I wait. We've got a couple of more scriptures to look at and then we'll be done. Titus chapter 2, I want you to see this. Titus chapter 2, verse number 12. The Bible says this in verse 12 and 13. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to know, friend, that's not written just for young people. It was written for every single Christian and keeping our eyes on heaven will help us to keep our eyes off of the world. I believe we should be looking for the Lord. We should be living for the Lord. In 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28, the Bible says this, And now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You see, the rapture could, could happen any moment. I believe that's the necessary motivation for you and I as believers to make every single day count, to make every single day productive, that we're serving the Lord, that we're seeking the kingdom, that we're witnesses for His glory. And I hope and pray this morning that everybody realizes that there is just nothing left preventing Jesus from coming again. Nothing. And so my question is this. Everything that needs to happen has happened and are you ready? He could come today. Are you ready? When He comes again in the rapture, friend, you do not want to be among the millions that are left behind. In this sermon series, I'm going to be preaching on what exactly is going to take place for those who are left behind. What happens in the seven-year tribulation period. And friend, you will think that I'm reading something out of a Steven Spielberg movie. But what's going to take place for those who are left behind really and truly as you read it yourself in the Bible is beyond human comprehension. I don't even know that I have the adjectives to explain it in simple layman's language. If you don't know Christ, this is the bottom line. You don't want to be left behind. There is coming a seven-year horrible, unimaginable tribulation. A world without the Holy Ghost. And the only way to secure your safety with Jesus forever is to trust Him. I close with this verse in John chapter 1, verse number 12. The Bible says this, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So here's the thing. Are you hoping that when you die that you have been just good enough that you have done just enough that God is pleased just enough that when they place your body in the coffin and the doctor pronounces you dead that all of that, are you hoping that God in the end will turn to your soul and go like this? Friend, I can tell you this. When you close your eyes for the last time, take your last breath, God's not going to wink at anybody. You see, we're either saved or we're lost. We are either going to heaven or going to hell. There's no halfway house. 
No one can pray me out, work me out, or buy me out. You see, what happens to me in the land of forever is decided on this side of death. I have to receive Christ as my Savior now. Otherwise, it will be forever too late. Are you saying, preacher, that no one can be saved in the tribulation? Oh, I'm not saying that. People can be saved in the tribulation, but not you. You say, well, why not me? Because, see, you've heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And that is this, that Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came to this world 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, shed His blood, rose from the grave to give you everlasting life. You have no hope in the tribulation because you've heard the gospel. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.